The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the American Beverage Association. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi are offering more choices, smaller portions, less sugar. Learn more at balanceus.org. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 21st. In today's news, China prepares its people for an extended trade war by saturating state TV with anti-American propaganda. The EPA makes it harder to study the impact of pollution on children. And another Guatemalan teenager dies in U.S. government custody. But first, the big idea. President Trump lost an early round of his court fight with Democrats last night after a federal judge in Washington ruled that the president's accounting firm must turn over his financial records to Congress as lawmakers seek to assert their oversight authority. Trump called the 41-page ruling from U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta crazy and said he will appeal. Lawyers for the president are fighting document and witness subpoenas on multiple fronts, and Mehta's ruling came hours after former White House counsel Don McGahn was directed by Trump not to appear before a congressional committee seeking testimony about his conversations with the president, which are outlined in Bob Mueller's report. In his decision, Mehta flatly rejected arguments from the president's lawyers that the House Oversight Committee's demands for records from Mazars USA, Trump's accounting firm, were overly broad and served no legitimate legislative purpose. Mehta's ruling drew comparisons between Trump and President James Buchanan, who failed to prevent the Civil War and who was generally considered one of the country's most terrible leaders. He was also deeply corrupt. Buchanan complained, just like Trump, bitterly about harassment from congressional committees that were looking into his conduct. Mehta noted that Congress also launched an investigation into the conduct of Bill Clinton from the period before he entered the White House. The move to bar McGahn, separate from the Mazars case, from answering any questions from lawmakers is really angered House Democrats. It may even be a turning point. They're eager to hit back at what they view as White House stonewalling. The defiance raises the possibility that the House is going to vote later today to hold McGahn in contempt of Congress. It would start with a committee vote today and then move to the full floor next week. But it's bigger than that. Several members of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's leadership team, who have been standing by her as she's been saying no impeachment, pressed her during a series of three private meetings last night to begin an impeachment inquiry against Trump. These meetings went late into the night. At least five members of the leadership team, four of whom sit on the House Judiciary Committee, which has jurisdiction over impeachment, pressed Pelosi in the closed-door setting to allow the panel to start the impeachment inquiry. They argue it will help investigators attain documents and testimony that Trump has blocked. Several hours later, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, the Democrat from New York, apparently falling in line with many of his members, met with Pelosi one-on-one and made the case to start the inquiry. He told panel members on a conference call after their one-on-one that she declined to endorse the idea. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, Michigan Congressman Justin Amash's declaration over the weekend that Trump engaged in impeachable conduct, his words, has put fellow Republicans in a bind. They're stuck between an angry president who often seeks to punish his critics and their reluctance to penalize one of their own. Trump privately has been venting to associates about Amash and publicly he called him a loser again yesterday. 
A GOP candidate announced the first of what could be multiple primary challengers to the congressman. He represents the Grand Rapids area. Actually, Amash represents the same district that Gerald Ford used to represent before he became vice president. But on Capitol Hill, few Republicans are eager to punish Amash, who had a long history of bucking GOP leadership long before Trump was elected. Top Republicans and aides say that kicking Amash out of the GOP conference or off of committees would only draw more attention to his apostasy. Instead, they have focused on isolating him and portraying him as a lone outlier. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Chinese leaders are preparing their population for a drawn-out trade war with Trump by evoking past battles with the Americans, including their assistance to North Korea during the Korean War in the 1950s. Chinese President Xi Jinping, accompanied by his top trade negotiator, placed a floral basket at a monument in the Zhengzi province yesterday to commemorate the start of the Long March in 1934. That's the 4,000-mile year-long trek that the communists took to break through nationalist lines, eventually ousting them and then installing Mao Zedong as leader of China. Meanwhile, China's main state movie channel has scrapped all regular programming in favor of films about the United States being thwarted in the Korean War after China intervened. Meanwhile, here in the USA... Technology companies took a hit on Wall Street yesterday as they were forced to start cutting sales to the Chinese telecommunications giant Huawei. Google said it will restrict Huawei's access to future updates of its Android operating software, which powers many of their phones. Other U.S. manufacturers also began suspending business dealings at the order of the Trump administration. And the markets punished many of those suppliers, including Intel, Broadcom, and Qualcomm, as well as Micron and the semiconductor manufacturer Cypress. Last night, Worried that the stocks would tank again today, the Commerce Department slightly eased the timing of the restrictions, saying it will allow some transactions to continue for 90 days. But that may not do the trick. Morgan Stanley says in a note to clients overnight that the collapse of the U.S.-China trade talks could push the global economy toward a recession. They say the global economy will move into a recession if the talks continue to stall and the U.S. imposes, as Trump has said he will, 25% tariffs on the remaining $300 billion or so of imports from China. This, Morgan Stanley told clients, would also probably force the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates back to zero within a year. Number two, the Environmental Protection Agency is planning to change the way it calculates the health risks of air pollution in a way that will make it much easier to roll back key climate change rules by downplaying the danger to public health. Separately, the EPA is also cutting off funding for several research centers that study the effects of pollution on childhood development. Greenwire, a trade publication, reports that the 13 Children's Environmental Health and Disease Prevention Research Centers are located at esteemed institutions across the country. Linda McCauley runs the center at Emory University in Atlanta. She's dedicated her life to researching maternal health and preterm birth rates among African-American women. She said she can't find grants from anyone else, If she can't find more money to keep her research going, she's going to have to stop in July. That's data that won't be collected. Number three, Chris Kobach, that nativist former Kansas Secretary of State who blew a totally winnable governor's race because of his polarizing approach to politics last fall, gave the White House a detailed list of 10 demands 
for him to agree to become Trump's immigration czar. The New York Times reports that Kobach said he will only take the job if he gets access to a government jet 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He also wants an office in the West Wing near the Oval, plus guaranteed weekends off for family time and an assurance of being made Secretary of Homeland Security by November. Nice work if you can get it. Kobach also said he would need to be the main television spokesman for the Trump administration on immigration policy, and he said he wanted a guarantee that all cabinet secretaries whose portfolios relate to immigration would be required to defer to him. Other conditions included having a staff of seven report to him directly, walk-in privileges to the Oval Office, his own security detail, and the title of assistant to the president. This amazingly presumptuous list was leaked to the Times by three people inside the White House who were taken aback by it and believe that he would be very problematic uh, in terms of immigration policy. Trump has also been considering other people for this immigration czar role, and apparently he's leaning toward Ken Cuccinelli, the former Virginia attorney general who, for what it's worth, also blew a winnable governor's race back in 2013. We hear Cuccinelli has made his own requests of Trump, including getting a 24-hour security detail and government vehicles to take him to and from his estate in Virginia. Meanwhile, as these guys angle for perquisites, a 16-year-old Guatemalan boy detained at the southern border died on Monday while in the custody of U.S. agents in Texas. His name was Carlos Gregorio Hernandez Vasquez. He was found unresponsive in his detention cell during a welfare check, a day after a nurse practitioner diagnosed him with the flu and put him in isolation. The nurse practitioner prescribed him Tamiflu, the antiviral commonly used to treat the flu. It's unclear still what symptoms the teenager had displayed, nor why he was not sent to a hospital or seen by a doctor. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 21st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.